Hello, and welcome to the Testudo Times podcast. I'm Thomas Kinzora. I have to start this show on an incredibly tragic note. Jordan McNair, an offensive tackle on the Maryland football team, has passed away after fighting for his life in the hospital for about two weeks. He collapsed during an organized team workout on May 29th and was hospitalized, and every update we received after that was that he was in critical condition. We hadn't heard anything about it for a few days, but to hear the news of his death was shocking and heartbreaking. It started with a couple tweets and Instagram posts, and it became more real to us with everyone we saw. We were waiting on an official announcement from the team for a couple hours, but when it came, my heart still dropped. It's still hard to believe now, and it'll never be an easy thing to come to grips with. This terrible tragedy serves as the ultimate reminder of the things that matter. McNair could have been a great football player, but any time a 19-year-old is taken away from his family and friends, hardly anything else seems to matter. McNair was universally loved by his teammates and coaches from all levels. I never met him or spoke with him myself, but everyone I know who did said he was a joy to be around. He was the kind of person who made the world around him better, and for someone like that to leave us so soon hurts more than anything. The McNair family has asked for prayers during this emotional time, and the link to the GoFundMe, created by other parents from the Maryland football team, is in the description of this post. We will also have more information on Testudo Times as it becomes available. In the meantime, I ask you to make a point of reminding the people in your life that you care about them and love them. Family, friends, partners, and anyone else who makes your world better. Appreciate them for as long as you can. Life is precious and it's fragile. Never take it for granted. With that said, here is the podcast we recorded Tuesday night. Due to some technical difficulties, Matt wasn't able to post it as a story here, but it had been on SoundCloud and iTunes and some of you have already listened to it. Although other things happened between that recording and this one, like... Kevin Herter's surgery and a basketball home and home with Seton Hall. We will discuss those on our next show, which will be sometime soon after the NBA draft on June 21st. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 119 of the Testudo Times podcast, where the 2002 Maryland men's basketball team is no longer the most recent sport champions in the DMV, and Thomas Kenzora and about 500,000 of your closest friends are very happy about it. Absolutely. How drunk did you get? I didn't get that drunk today, just because there were lines for the beer, and I didn't need that. Yeah, and I didn't need that. It is Bud Light. Which, you know, I don't hate, but I don't necessarily seek out at the same time. Is kind of where I stand on that. Out. <laughs> but how drunk did you get on Thursday night? Not very, because I wasn't downtown. I was, you know, doing a little bit of work, you know, hanging around at home. And then... And you well, wrote a surprisingly well, cause all piece. The, well, because I wrote it the next day. 
Oh, okay. No, I. It see, was. I see it was actually like I like I wrote. It ended up being almost eighteen hundred words for some reason. I wrote a chunk of that after game four. Oh, you pre-wrote it, and normally, if you pre-write something with the capitals, that means bad things are going to happen. But this cap, yeah, I wrote, different. I wrote a little bit of it, like a, a little bit, just you know, the things I was thinking then, and I'm like, oh, if I'm thinking this now, you know, I'll, I'll have more, and I did, and then I decided, I made it a fan post. I didn't want to, you know, put the entire site's name on it, but well, yeah, you know. because it's not a strictly Maryland thing, but I'm presuming that. 80% no, of the I just, that read I just knew, Caps fans? Yeah, I knew we'd have an audience for it, and so I put it there. It I didn't good. have a better place to put it either. Yeah, well, you don't have a personal blog with a 2010 blogger design like I do to put something if one of my teams Oh, I ever do, but I, I've, I have since figured out that I can just do this instead. This is true, but I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I would have to put it there because don't know if I'd feel comfortable necessarily writing the fan post to the rest of the site, but also none of my teams are ever winning a title anytime soon, so I don't have to worry about that. Fair point. If you have been with us for 119 episodes of the podcast, you know what teams I root for, and you know all of them are very bad, even the ones that are good, and I have no expectations that any of them are going to win a title anytime soon, and this includes Maryland, as sad as that is to say. But one last thing on the Capitals, and I know most of you who are listening to the show are probably thinking this, this is the most fun I've seen human beings have, perhaps ever. There's no pretense. There's no anything. It's just unadulterated, pure joy. And Alex Ovechkin is having more fun than any of us will ever have in anything that we do, ever. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I think in focusing so much on Ovechkin, we're forgetting about, you know, how completely ridiculously drunk, like, Jacob Braun is getting. Yeah, and, he got a tattoo in some random tattoo shop. That was yeah. So apparently, that same guy also got like a handful of guys as well. Yeah, because apparently um, he was a Caps fan. I was reading about that that story. The Washington Post is probably having a great weekend with all this Caps stuff, and I'm glad that they are because the people who cover the Caps are great. Half uh, the like also both of the like Maryland writers they both the the Maryland writers past and present Roman Stubbs yeah and Jesse Doherty. Both yeah. of them were, like, all over this. All hands they, on deck. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen they're doing a pretty good all hands on deck job with it. Well, um, I mean, I've been just enjoying the Dan Steinberg stories. He he came into one of the classes that I was in, and I've all, I loved his stuff for a long time. And then I think this is the best weekend that a lot of the D.C. sports writers are having. Because they get to tell ridiculous, bonkers stories like what are going on here, and it's wonderful. And please... Enjoy it for as long as you could possibly enjoy it, Caps fans. This one, you'll never be able to have this one taken away from you. And in comparison to the Eagles winning a Super Bowl, which there was a lot of joy, I had a little bit more antagonism towards that because of my upbringing and where I live. And the Cavs, of which I had no attachment to in any way, shape, or form. The Capitals one's been a lot more fun. Because I feel like I'm more connected to it, obviously, having lived in the DMV for four years and seeing the suffering firsthand. So I'm very, very happy for Capitals fans. And most of the people listening to the show in general, if you're not a Caps fan, I bet you're probably enjoying yourself watching these people have the time of their lives and some of the happiest days of their lives. I know I am. It's made for some of the most interesting times I've had on social media in recent times. So let's focus on some Maryland things. And the first year of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Maryland played Virginia. And I thought Maryland's not playing Virginia in basketball again for another 10 years because they're going to have to cycle through all the bad opponents of the ACC Big Ten Challenge until we get to Virginia again. Nope, not this year. 
apparently we're going through retreads already. Oh yeah, I mean for for at least for the men's challenge because the women are playing Georgia Tech, which they haven't played, and I don't think they've played anyone twice since they switched conferences. In the men, um, they've played Virginia, they've played North Carolina, then Pitt, then Syracuse, and we're already back to Virginia. Yeah, well, well, also like Duke and Indiana have played each other each each of the last like eighty years. So well, of course they're not playing Maryland. That would never happen. Yeah, and they already play Michigan State every two years. So they, that can, they can't sense. play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge because of the champions, whatever it's called. But I yeah. just can't imagine why Maryland's not playing somebody like NC State, you know, who is okay. Last year they made the NCAA tournament. Why can't Maryland I'm, play that? I'm very down for UVA because, you know, I have a ton of friends that go there. And now I can trash talk all of them. Or, or, well, you or at least, say or that. At least, or at least throw UMBC at him. For How a many long UMBC time. shirts are going to be in the crowd that night? Oh, I, I, I have no idea. All I know is that it had better be a blackout. <laughs> I would think it would be great. Just have them all wear UMBC shirts and bring the UMBC mascot. Like if you're going to do it, go all out. And I don't think that this matchup was selected purely for those trolling purposes. Although if it was, whoever did that, thank you very much. But Maryland fans are smart, if anything. And they can chant with the best of them. So I want to hear a lot of good UMBC chants. We need them. This yep. is a call to arms for the students on the first day of December, whenever these games are being held. I don't remember exactly when the schedule is. But when we look at Maryland's schedule overall, having UVA, I mean, they were a number one seed. They did lose to a 16, but they were the best team in the ACC in the regular season. They uh, were the best team in the country in the regular season. You could argue that. I was never quite so sure about them being the best team in the country. You know, no, they had the best season. They did until but the first round. Then they lose in the first round, which is yeah, very yeah. Virginia, right? We must say that I mean, I guess it's going to be the best part of their schedule, at least for now. We don't know any of the other games on their schedule at a conference, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be playing in any of these tournaments because I think they've all been basically filled up at this point. Yeah, I mean, we know a couple of games, and none of them are exciting. And you know, the they are playing two tournament teams. Yeah, um, you know, I, I like, I like Marshall on the schedule. You know, it, it's my hope is that the I think they've announced six and they're only going to have eleven non-conference games this year. Yeah, and so the hope is that at least a few of the other five are filled with, you know, power five, power six teams. Now, have we? And, I ask. I have to ask a question here, not to interrupt, but you know how in football like North Carolina Wake Forest are going to be playing out of conference games that don't count to the ACC schedule in coming years because the ACC schedule matrix is stupid why don't they do that in basketball even though you play in them basketball once, you're, you're guaranteed to play well, every you can team still play them twice like but that's one of those like which one would you count and which one wouldn't you and I don't know. I understand why they don't do it in basketball. And the re- I feel like the only reason they do it for the ACC in football is because they still only have eight conference games. This is true. Well, they don't do it in the SEC. They should do it in the SEC now that I think about it. But anyway, uh, that was my first thought about Virginia for the week. And then the second thought I had for Virginia for the week is Bronco Mendenhall saying his team maybe had 25 ACC caliber players, which made me laugh. Aren't you glad Maryland left the ACC in football? <laughs> I know they're getting killed in Big Ten, but we're not playing teams that say that. 
even though you could probably say that about Rutgers, Indiana, and maybe you could say about Maryland, too, or Illinois, but nobody would say it openly. Only in the ACC would they say that. Yeah, no, Bronco's been weirdly unfiltered, and I, I guess I missed that about the ACC. Well, I miss it. Well, Maryland's playing Virginia in a couple of years, I think. Maybe I know they have Virginia be... Tech. They, down they the do line. play Virginia Tech, but that's when we're all like 33 or 34. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Maryland does play Virginia at some point again in the future. I'm going to check this because I do remember. And they play Virginia in 2023. So maybe Bronco Mendenhall will still be the coach then. Maybe by that point he'll have an ACC caliber squad. Man, you'd hope so. I mean, if you still need more time to implement your system in year eight. Um, ah, damn. No, the the punch, the correct punchline to that is you might be Mark Turgeon, but I'm not going to make that joke. You just did. You just did. Damn. Speaking damn. of which, should we talk about damn. Mark Turgeon's coaching staff? Very good segue, sir. Let's do that. Let's do yes, that. Yes, let's talk about his coaching staff. Is because Dustin Clark left to go to go to the family business back in Texas. Now, unfortunately, we didn't do our prep, so we don't know what the family business is. I'm very curious to see what this business is. But this was apparently in the works for a while, and Clark had been on Mark Turgeon's staff since he was coaching at A&M, so this is a long-time assistant, one of his really trusted assistants. He was a frontman on a lot of recruits. I think Kevin Herner might have been one of them. If we were wrong, please tell us who he recruited at the forefront of the recruitment process. But you never like to lose a coach on the staff and they've already had a little bit of turnover the staff this year which i guess is not that surprising considering they had a bad year but still one of mark turgeon's most trusted assistants leaving in june is not great yeah i mean so a couple things you know even he has only said a family business so like i don't even know if it's been reported it just feels like it's the kind of thing that would get out there eventually um so, so that's that part of it. Um, and yeah, no, he's been with Turgeon since A&M and, you know, they've done some good things together and it's, it's always hard as a head coach to see, you know, an assistant you've gone through that much with, you know, leave, but it is an interest. It is kind of rare actually for like a college basketball coach to leave on their own terms. You mentioned this um, before, and I actually really agree with you, because more often than not, if a coaching staff gets purged, that's when the assistants leave, and then they go on to take other jobs. Yeah, and and so, so then the follow-up to that is that, um, you know, Maryland had a very good in-house replacement for him. They hired Matt Brady as their director of player personnel last year. Matt Brady was always overqualified for that position, and... You know, this offseason he had been getting, you know, offers for assistant jobs and he turned them down because he actually knew that, you know, he was going to get this promotion at Maryland. And, you know, he's a former head coach at James Madison. So, you know, it, it's a logical progression for him. Um, and then we've seen a yeah, little bit so, of I mean, turnover briefly. We've seen a little bit of turnover the last couple of years. Uh, on the bench for Maryland. Last year there were some changes. This year there were some changes. Not too surprising because, again, Maryland's last couple of seasons haven't been exactly great. But we're seeing more turnover now than we did. We haven't seen a lot of turnover in Mark Turge's staff for a while. Don't think we've seen a ton. Not Nothing like this, obviously. And there was also more backroom stuff that uh, they kind of do video coordinator. 
uh, amongst other things. Yeah, well, the video coordinator replaced Brady, so they hired a new one who's Greg Manning's son. Yep. Who, Greg Manning Jr. Yes, who I had to learn, because I have not been a Maryland fan for that long, was once one of Johnny Holiday's former color guys, which is always interesting to me because, of course, the broadcasting industry is uh, near and dear to my heart, especially Johnny Holiday. And was he doing color when Maryland won the national championship? I don't know. Somebody can tell me if that was the case. Uh, if it was... Good. If not, they have an alum on the staff, and that's a good connection to always have. Uh, so that's the basketball thing. Also, I want to mention these Justin Jackson comments, which I'm just getting back to looking at again. He made some comments to Draft Express, uh, of course, after his shoulder injury. I was trying to shoot through it, play through it, because I didn't want to let my team down. We had a real special team. We could have done a lot of great things, you know. It's unfortunate the way the season ended up. But, I mean, a great group of guys, and I would have never loved to play with anyone else. And yet he still was pretty clearly going to leave for the draft after this year anyway. Interesting comments. I mean, it was great, obviously. And he said it, it happened in preseason. They're interesting comments, right? From somebody kind of looking back on a season that went about as wrong as it could have possibly gone and maybe torpedoed his draft stock because of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, hearing Jackson speak because – I don't know if we ever talked to him during the season. We certainly didn't talk to him after, you know, he shut it down. And so, you know, hearing him in a space like this, you know, be be open about these things. You know, the one thing that I don't remember him talking about is, you know, how set he was necessarily on, you know, going pro and like when. Because, I mean, if you're in Jackson's situation and you turn pro – you know, you know, hire an agent in March and just leave it at that. You know, I mean, that suggests that you were set on making that decision, you know, even before the injuries, which, you know, he didn't say anything regarding that, like confirming it, denying it, whatever. Um, but, but you know, as far as everything else goes, yeah, it, it just humanizes him. And we just haven't really heard his side of the story often. Yeah, and it, it, it's a little it's refreshing to hear it yeah he tried to play through it in the preseason he said he may have suffered it during one of those closed door scrimmages and he said his shoulder slipped out of his socket which if that's happened to any of you it's bad and then he tried to keep playing through it and then this is a shoulder injury in basketball it's a tough injury to play through when you have to shoot and he couldn't play through it anymore and then he had surgery and yeah, it's interesting to hear him talk about that because, obviously, I don't think he's had many facing comments about what happened and what he was thinking about that season as it kind of went south when he went injured. I mean, they were okay when he was playing. Obviously, it was clear now looking back on it that he wasn't healthy. But with him, they were an okay team. They had some promise, and then he got injured and then had surgery, and then it all just sort of spiraled from there. And it never kind of got back to where it could have been or should have been. So they also picked up, strangely enough, a 2018 recruit at linebacker in June. Thomas, this doesn't happen very often. No, it, w it was a JUCO kid who, you know, there is able to, you know, fill out the right paperwork and become eligible for 2018. Mm -hmm. um, even though, you know, I think other schools were recruiting him for 2019. Um that's that's a weird world. I don't, I still don't know exactly how many years of eligibility he has. I'm gonna assume it's three. And Sounds about right. So. So yeah, I mean they'll go from there. Um, he is Ahmad McCullough, 
is his name. Should mention his and, name. Yeah, well, better late than never. And uh, so he is, from what I've seen and heard, more of a speed linebacker. Might not have the size you'd think a linebacker maybe should have in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Maryland has had, you know, in some formations, this sort of hybrid linebacker safety role. Uh, Denzel Conyers had it when he played. Um, you know, guys like that. And he seems like a potential fit there, whether it's this year or down the road. But he's eligible, so it can be this year. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we see him this year, perhaps not. Always can't hurt to have some linebacker depth, uh, considering usually as this goes with Maryland, if you're a healthy linebacker by the end of the season, you're playing quarterback. Sorry, I had to make that joke. We had a failed recording where Thomas made it first, and then I just totally pirated it from him, and I had no shame in doing so. Sorry. Happens. Yeah, it does. Should we also talk quickly about the schedule? That was, well, we knew what the schedule was. We now have game times. So if you're interested in going to the Texas game at FedEx Field, it'll be at noon that weekend. So everyone's going to bake at FedEx Field. And then they're going to be playing at Bowling Green on ESPN+. No, not the old syndicated service. The streaming service that costs money to buy. So I've been having a moral debate with myself for a couple of days now since this announcement was made. Am I going to actually pay for ESPN Plus to watch a Maryland football game? I am having a much tougher decision in terms of whether I'm going to actually do that as opposed to, yeah, of course I'll do that. It's Maryland football. Now I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to pay extra money just to watch one Maryland game against Bowling Green? Considering the last time they played a bet school in Green, it was a disaster. Yeah, well, well, that Bowling Green coach got hired elsewhere, and they've been garbage since. This is true. So what does that say about that Maryland team? Well, I mean, that Bowling Green team almost won the MAC, but the coach got hired away is, they, is yep. what happened. But the coach hasn't done anything at Syracuse since, and that team no, because it's Maryland Syracuse football. It's tough to win there. Donovan McNabb did it. Great. Go out and recruit another Donovan McNabb. I don't think they're going to be that'll only that take a handful. Though. That'll only take a handful of years. And by the way, Maryland's playing Syracuse next year in football. There's a great connection for you. How about, how about that? They're going to be playing a lot of nooners this year. A lot of noon games. Not a lot of people want to watch Maryland play football. Can't really blame them. So, yes. The only game that they have... Uh, a game time announced for that is not noon is the 6 p.m. ESPN Plus game. And, uh, well, there you have it. That's Maryland football for you in a nutshell. You have to pay to watch them play now, even though this Bowling Green team is probably bad. I think it might be bad. I don't know. I'm not paying attention to how good Bowling Green is at this moment. Well, they've been bad the last couple of years, but who knows? This is a good point. Everyone is currently 0-0, zero and zero, as they all like to say. Yeah, until Maryland is going to be 0-1 probably very quickly. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the MLB draft, which was a week ago now, and multiple Maryland players or commits got drafted, and the team for 2019 is starting to look a little bit less filled with as much talent as we thought it could be. Yeah, um, so Maryland had two commits drafted um two outfielders actually nick decker was you know being kind of talked about maybe as a day one prospect 
Um, I was actually, I guess, a little surprised, although he's been rising. So he was ranked 74th on MLB.com, and he was picked 64th by the Red Sox. And he hasn't announced anything yet, but when you're drafted that high, you sign because the slot value for that for that pick is seven figures. And I, you take seven figures. When you think about the Major League Baseball draft and the slot value, I mean, we all hear about random things when it comes to drafts, but if the slot value is still a thing that I'm trying to comprehend what that means, I still don't get it. But no, I guess I don't have to. If it's seven figures and you're drafted at a high school and you're making seven figures, you're not going to say no to that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's about as simple as, you know, every pick is assigned a number and a team gets the sum of all the like numbers that go to its picks. And so then you, you can divide that up as you wish. So you, you can, that that's how that works. But yeah, I can understand the intricacies of how major league soccer's arcane rules work, but I don't understand slot value for the MLB draft. Eh, what is Every, it? Life is hit and miss. Yes, it is. Particularly when you're dealing with. And so, so that guy, times. so that guy is most likely on one guy we know is going to turn pro is Jack Herman who was a like a probably a day two talent maybe seventh round tenth round in that range um he slid past it and when guys when high school guys slide past that um teams kind of stay away from him because everyone just assumes that they're gonna you know honor their college commitment um but he didn't he he was drafted by Pittsburgh who has some connections his old high school coach uh was you know, played in the Pittsburgh organization. And, you know, I, I guess he just, you know, was set on that. And off he goes to turn pro. So and that's two that's outfield. that's a rarity, as you say. That's two outfield commits gone. And to be determined if Marty Costas goes. Where he was he drafted, drafted? He was drafted 22nd round this year after going 25th round last year. Both times, the Houston Astros. So if that's the organization that's interested in you, and it's the currently defending world champions, I that think is I'd certainly give them a enticing. Shout. Yeah, that's certainly enticing. And for him, I mean, he he had a very bad 2018 after two very good seasons. And he still so, drafted three rounds higher. Yeah. Um. And I, I think he has the potential to be drafted, you know, on day two next year if he has a good senior year. But, you know, it's still tough if you're a college junior and decide to return because as a senior, you don't have the leverage. And so they don't give you as much money. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee that you'll be drafted higher. Well, if so he has what... a good season, that's it's more likely than not, but still. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible, but we'll see. So that's Maryland baseball for you, in a nutshell. It's not going very well. Well, it's the it's the double-edged sword of you know, if you're sending players to the draft, if you're sending players to the pros, and Maryland has, you know, a lot of the a, a lot of the John Chef guys are working their way up through the minors right now. Two guys this you know within the past couple of weeks have been promoted to AAA, uh, Brandon Lowe and Lamont Wade. Then we got a couple more in Double A, so um, no, they're doing they're doing well. A lot of those guys, and then you know, if you're also the kind of school that pro level top recruit kind of high schoolers, 
if you're the kind of, if you're a school that those players are interested in, you know, that that's a good look as well. Although like Maryland didn't win a lot of games this year and is in less of a position now to win more next year. True. That is very true. And you got the taste of a little bit of college baseball I was watching some of the super regionals, man, didn't think college baseball was that big in the SEC, but it's a lot bigger. I mean, I had my blinders on, but just a minor observation from things that I saw this weekend. Also, now there are some stories on the website that you were writing, one about track that I was very interested in. It's a very good piece, obviously. Uh, talk a little bit about it. I don't want to parrot what you have spent some time writing on. Yeah, so so the track and field championships were this past week. and that so crazy USC uh, what was it, the race? I don't remember what the race was, but she came by on the last, like, few meters and just sprinted by the Purdue person. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, that was, well, it was the 4x400. Thank you. And the USC, yeah, no, Purdue had, you know, like, good starting legs, but, like, USC had this crazy anchor. Mm-hmm. And the anchor ran down Purdue in a way that, like, you didn't think was possible. Um, it, no, it it's like some crazy stuff happens. Possible. I watched a little bit of it. Um, one, I, the one that I remember watching live was the steeplechase, which is 3,000 meters. And this guy led for seven laps. He led for like seven minutes. And then he, he was like setting, I guess, too fast of a pace and he got tired. And then he kind of clipped the hurdle and face planted and finished ninth. <sighs> The, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Anyway, confection. So the Maryland Mar- on, the, on the Maryland end. Yes. On, the Mar- on a different note, uh, I, I always go back has, to that wide world of sports quote, don't we all? Yeah. The Maryland has its first first team All American on the men's side since 2006. Um, discus thrower Greg Thompson is the NCAA runner-up this year. Um, you know, he he was kind of a favorite to you know do some damage at this event and he did and the guy who beat him was a senior and thompson's a junior he's he's fun to talk to because he's yeah he, he has this giant afro and he's obviously like oh. a strong person and he's and he's from london he's from london yeah oh makes him one of the coolest people ever instantly. oh absolutely did you I, ask him what soccer team he roots for actually i, don't I even did not know. but I don't even yeah you know the answer to that question yeah, no. I mean, save the mistake before I know the answer. Yeah, well, what soccer team do you like is like a horrible question to ask because it is a terrible question to ask, but it's the first thing I think of because that's how my <laughs> brain works. I'm sorry. Please continue. Well, it's one that it leads to its own conversation, and no one likes anyone else's soccer team. This is true. It's not like Some Amer- of them are not as bad. It's not like American sports where it's like, oh, you like the Denver Nuggets. Okay, fine. But, like, unless you like the same team, it, blood that conversation doesn't go well. Well, no, you could be nice. Anyway, very cool discus thrower. Yes. Like um, that. And Maryland had six finalists in total, which is a program record. It was kind of an upset that as many of them made it to finals as they did. And uh, the four finalists on the women's side didn't really do a lot of damage, which, you know... Would have been nice to see one of them do, but I think they'll take it. They're, they were all, you know, just kind of happy to be there. Um, but but that's still something because they all had a really good regionals. And 
you know, a handful of them and a handful of other athletes that almost made nationals um, are coming back. So, you know, mm-hmm. Maryland track is in this weird spot because they've had the same coach for a long time, but the men's team almost got cut entirely. Um, during the purge. Yeah, during the purge. And then so men's cross country and indoor track are still gone. So the outdoor season is their only season. So it's tough to recruit for that. And, you know, the women have never really gotten grown that relevant. And so everyone likes Andrew Bellman. And I like Andrew Bellman. Like, you know, talking to him, he's he's awesome. But at the same time, he's been here, you know, maybe 15 years now. And Maryland's still in this weird building position. But it, it's in a positive direction right now is what it seems like. So exciting times. Mm-hmm. That's always good. And quickly before we get back on to too much of a soccer train, that's always what I think about when I think of people from London. I'm sorry. I don't hate people because they like Arsenal or Chelsea or West Ham. I just hate their club. Uh, it's okay. Uh, Zach Steffen was great this weekend. Yes. Now, soccer is a great hipster sport, and you can instantly say, like, hey, I, I remember seeing him when. But this is actually one of those cases where I could say, I remember seeing him at Maryland and knowing the first minute I watched him play – this is the guy. Oh, did you think he was going to be like the U.S. guy? Yes. Oh, nice. I, I knew pretty quick. You, you can tell pretty quickly with some of these. But goalies, it's pretty easy to tell. With, with In every sport, you can tell if somebody's that much better than everybody else you've seen at that similar level. You can tell. It's very mm-hmm. evident in soccer, too. And with goalie, I mean, you don't have to make too many crazy saves before you realize the guy's pretty good. And I had heard about him before he came to Maryland. He was in the Union's Academy never signed, recruited to play for Maryland and played a couple of years before he was uh, went to Freiburg in Germany, played the academy, didn't do anything there, and went to the crew. And I've known for a while that he was going to be good. He made like a billion bonker saves at a couple of uh, U-20 World Cups. One of them was 2015, the team that made the quarterfinals. He played some insane games. And you could tell pretty quickly that he was really, really good and a cut above basically everybody else. And, yeah, this was the first real time that you've seen him play like that for the U.S. I've watched him play for the crew and do things of that nature before. I mean, if you watched him play last year, the game against Atlanta in the playoffs where he kept the clean sheet and then won on penalties, he was absolutely insane. And then this game, he didn't have to make a ton of great saves, but he made a great double save at the end. And France is really, really good, except the fact that their manager is terrible. But this is not a World Cup podcast, so I won't get into that. But I think it's I, still it's still worth noting, though, that, you know, he gets yes. this chance with USA's like young guy, B, C team, whatever you want to it's even not, call it. it. It's it's the we aren't going to the World Cup, so let's see all the young players and how good they are. Team, yeah. which is perfectly acceptable to me. Yeah, and... which and and for that group, largely because of Stefan to draw France's let's go try to win the World Cup team. You have to understand that France's let's go try to win the World Cup team also has their terrible manager that no one likes, and it means they can't beat a team of a bunch of 20-year-olds and Julian Green. So that's what I've been... This is, again, this is a soccer thing that maybe if you don't follow soccer very closely, it's not a big deal to you. But to me, it's kind of amazing. And then I tweeted, because obviously Taylor Twelman went to Maryland. Uh, I said, I was asking... Openly, why didn't Taylor Twelman mention that Zach Steffen went to Maryland? And I tweeted that, and then the Maryland men's soccer Twitter account and Sasha Sorosky favorited the tweet. 
wasn't intending for that to happen. And I don't think Sa Sasha would probably recognize me if I went back and talked to him again because I interviewed him multiple times for multiple different things. And yeah, so Zach Steffen is going to be really, really good for a very long time. And he went to Maryland and getting a pimp out. I mean, I know people know Maryland soccer is really good, but sometimes you don't appreciate how good they are until you see something like Graham Zuzzi starting in the World Cup for you to realize that. And Rodney Wallace is on the uh, Costa Rican team that's going to the World Cup, and he also went to Maryland. So that's, of course, cool to mention. But it's different when it's a U.S. player, and Zach Steffen's really good. So he is probably not long for MLS. I can imagine him being sold to a really good club at some point. So there's your soccer analysis for today's show. If you root for a soccer club in London that's different than the one that certain people root for, it's not good, and Zach Steffen is good. There right. you go. Soccer 101, everybody. All right, so that will be on the test. Yes, it will. And Lovely. The test, and the test will require you to know many obscure things about soccer that, no, I actually won't. I will not give anybody a test on being a soccer fan. If you watch the World Cup this year without the U.S. in it, then you've done well enough as far as I'm concerned. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I would recommend still watching it. But anyway, that's about it for this show. I think the next time we'll have a show is after the NBA draft, when presumably Kevin Herter could be a first-round pick. Yeah, um, I'm, I'd be stunned if he isn't. I mean, he, he declared for the draft when we all thought he was probably going to come back, so I think there's somebody. I saw one mock draft that said he might be picked by the Spurs, which seems too perfect. So Yeah, I've heard that as well. Don't think it's going to be a long night for Kevin Herter, but it'll be the first number one, the first round draft picks. It's Alex Len, mm -hmm. and Alex Len didn't go particularly well. Feel a bit unfortunate for that, but Kevin Herter going is going to be a good good night for Maryland basketball. And I will certainly pick up some time to watch him play next year if he plays significant time. Which you know what, he might. So we will have that for you when we next speak, and hopefully. We'll have some other special goodies as well. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show. And of course, go Terps.